0: Happy Father's Day, guys. I want to start this message myself. I uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, uh, I don't have any children that wake up every morning at my house anymore, all right? They grew up So hallelujah, all right, so, uh, but uh, I miss my kids. I love them dearly, and, um, but uh, they, they grew up. So, yeah, I mean, if Diana came home tomorrow and said, uh, uh, honey, I just want you to know we're ex- I would say, Jesus, you just... Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And I would ask him to do it, and he would do a work in my life, all right? At this point in my life, I love grandchildren, and uh, they're amazing, and they go home to sleep at their parents' house and stuff, you know? It is tough, however, you know, you you got them, you know, like Malachi's all the way in in Los Angeles. That's a long way to live away from your grandfather. Uh, Yes, you understand what I'm saying? Hawaii and all that stuff? So... uh, but uh, I know, how many know that the world is shifting? Anybody know that the culture is shifting? So uh, I wanted to begin our message today because we are in the series, uh, More Than Conquerors, and I want us to be conquering. So I thought, uh, being that, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm a baby boomer. Did you know that? Evidently, you know, I only had two kids, baby boomer anyway. Uh, and uh, then uh, there's another community called millennials. How many have heard of those no good millennials? Anybody heard of them? You know, man, millennials. Well, don't you be talking about them because our associate pastor who happens to be my son is one of them. And I asked him to open up the message today with lessons from a millennial father, a few quick lessons. So get your
1: ink pen out. Welcome pastor Preston. I didn't even know I was a millennial until he told me. And then he told me I was a millennial and I didn't know how I was supposed to feel about it. Like, like I felt slightly insulted for some reason. It's like, I don't even drink bougie coffee, like I can't be a millennial. <laughs> What's, you're not a millennial. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I've, he asked me to speak from, you know, from the perspective of a millennial father. I've been a dad for almost two years now. Um, Um, so I've got a little bit, a little bit of experience now, just a little bit. Um, but I was looking up some scriptures, um, and I'm going to speak just real quickly. It's kind of funny. It's, he was like, can you speak for like 10, 15 minutes? I said, well, that's, that's kind of like a a whole youth group sermon. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I can do that. Um, but it's kind of speaking from the perspective of a millennial father, I wanted to open up with a scripture that you can't really get away from if you're going to talk about, fathering or parenting, especially fathering, but in parenting, Um, Ephesians 1, uh, starting at 1, we'll go through to 4, and a lot of parents, we like to use this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, I would love to use that one, you know, (laughs) go clean your room, I don't feel like cleaning your room, oh, okay, well, obey your parents, for this is right, honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, this is where we don't like our children to learn too much of the Bible. So, like, we want to teach them, like, (laughs) we want to teach them some scriptures, you know, like, but we don't want to teach them all the scriptures. It's kind of like being a coach and you don't teach, like, all of your good moves to the kids because then they'll start beating you. Uh, So, but this is the end. This is is the the part that I really want to work with is fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, other other um, translations use the term exasperate your children. Don't exasperate your kids. I think there's some ways that we can't get away from it, guys. Like, um, uh, the moment I found out that my wife was pregnant, I got really good at dad jokes. Like, they just started flowing like, like it was a spiritual gift or something. Like, I just... Like, I can make, yeah, my sister actually sent me, a uh, like, 101 dad jokes, like, I needed help in that area or something. But um, I think in that way, like, we're just going to kind of, we're going to kind of annoy our kids, you know? Like, we're going to show up at school and embarrass them somehow. But I think that's part of our jobs. Like, we're supposed to embarrass them. Um, I had a lot of experience embarrassing, like I said, my sister when I was a kid, so I feel like I'm gonna be really good at that part. Um, but I think there are some things that we can do that we ought to do and remember in order to not exasperate, not anger our kids, not drive our kids away from us. Um, and specifically speaking from you know a millennial standpoint, is one is we're gonna use some greater than um, terminology. You know, like when we were in school, you know. Two is greater than one. So we're going to use that kind of terminology today. First thing is communicating is better or greater than commenting. In a world of followers and um, Facebook friends and tweets and reposts and retweets and comments, I'm afraid um, in this social media world, we lose the ability to communicate outside of commenting. And there's a big difference between commenting and, and communicating. And so like in, on social media... <clears throat> on social media, if you see something that interests you, whether you like it or don't like it, you feel like the need. And some of us, we type up these whole paragraphs and we just hit delete because we know we shouldn't write those things. Some of us hit send anyway and just get into arguments. Which I think the I think I saw a statistic that zero percent of people's minds get changed on Facebook. But um, <laughs> I don't know how real it is. I feel like it's real. But um, <laughs> so we like end up commenting and saying things that we. Might feel like we should say, or, but we probably shouldn't. But there's a big difference between communicating and commenting. Um, people comment on social media because they want to be heard. People communicate because they want to understand. If all you're doing, and this is a problem that fathers end up having, end up having, is that we we end up just commenting, 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 instead because we see what, see something we don't like our kids are doing, or we there's a friend that our, we don't want our kids to have or our kids are going through something and we don't understand. And instead of sitting down and saying, hey, what's going on? We just comment. You know, I've been doing youth ministry almost 15 years. And then 15 years of youth ministry, I get to interact with a lot of parents. That's part of the job. It's not just talking to middle school and high schoolers and playing dodgeball. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not the job. But a lot of it is interacting with parents. And I get parents that come up to me and say, Preston, this is what's going on in my kid's life. I just don't know what to do. And almost 100% of the time, my first, my first response is going to be, well, have you talked to them yet? Like, have you talked to them? Have you told them why? Because some parents have certain guidelines because of what's happened in their lives. Because they've got some, some form of sexual brokenness, so they're extremely, extremely protective of their kids because of the brokenness that they have. So have you, talked to them? have you told them that? Well, no, I haven't told them that. I haven't talked to them. So Sometimes the easiest thing to do, the, the best fix, is sitting down with your kid, especially the older they get, just sitting down with them and saying, hey, this is what happened in my life. I don't want this to happen in yours. And that's why we have these guidelines. Just communicating. Don't just throw out comments because you see something that you don't like, but communicate with them. The second thing, is memories is greater than money the most valuable asset we have is time if you make a mistake in an investment or you buy a car that ends up breaking guess what you can always put more hours in you can find something to sell you can always get the money back but you can never get your time that we have to ask ourselves how many how many the one time win moments do we have in our lives by that, mean, by that, I mean like you're sitting, down at, you're sitting down in the living room and you look across the room at, at your daughter or your son and you say, hey, remember that one time when? How many of those do we have? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. If you come up empty or you've got like maybe one or two, then you're doing something wrong. And that might feel bad, but you know, understanding that you're doing something wrong or not doing something right is actually really, really valuable. Being able to like be really honest with yourself and say, man, I got to do something right. If you can't go somewhere with your kids because you don't have the money or you can't do something extravagant. The one thing I would say to do is do the one thing that everyone can do. And that's intentionally make your kids feel wanted, feel sought out and feel proud. Everybody has that ability, no matter what your income looks like, no matter what your checking account looks like. Everybody has the ability to seek out your kids, make them feel wanted, and make them feel proud. You know, I've I've done, um, I've been to a lot of funerals, not because I, like all my friends die or anything, but because it's kind of part of the gig here. You know, and. In all my experience in funerals, never once have I ever seen somebody get up and say, you know what, he was such a good man, he was such a good man, he's got so much money in his bank account. You would never believe how much money he's got in his bank account. Nobody ever says that, no one, no one, like for some reason, especially men, we, we like, Go through our adult life thinking that it's so important to put, keep putting zeros, like more and more zeros in your bank account. You, man, I gotta get that six, that six-figure income. Why? Why? To make yourself feel better. At the end of the day, your life is measured. Your the the value of your life is measured not by how much money you got in your bank account, but how you made your wife and your kids feel. Memories is greater than money. Last thing is identity is greater than how you identify. Anybody else have one of these when you're a kid or get one of these things for your kids? I'm pretty sure these things have been around for thousands of years. (laughs) Thousands. They're mostly like these primary colors like red, like bright blue. But my wife... Refused to have bright red in our living room, so she found this one on Tupperware probably spent way too much money on it <laughs> But she gave me the okay to say that earlier I almost said it in first service. She was like now. Nah, it's cool But if you don't know what this is basically hold on Basically what this thing is it's got all these shapes right and then it's got these holes that are the same shape on this little ball and what you have to do is you have to find the shape, and then you got to fit it into the ball. And the, the shape won't fit in there unless it's the exact right shape, right? So the fun thing is, I, you know, I've got a daughter. She's brilliant. Um, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram or anything. If you look at my story every few days, like, I think it was, was it just yesterday. Yeah, just yesterday, she was climbing this, like, rock wall thing at the uh, park, and she's not even two years old yet, and she did not want me to do it. I was like, here, let me help you so you don't fall. She's like, No! If you've ever heard her say no, that's exactly how she says it. It's like in 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 in, oh, no. So I was like, all right, fine. If you fall, it's your fault. And so I got the video camera out. I got the video camera or video camera. I got my phone out. Pulled the video up, and so a video. And you can. I think you can probably still go on my on my store and see it, but she's brilliant. She knows her colors, or most of them. She gets like yellow and purple mixed up, but I think it's just because it's syllables, like yellow, purple. But she gets like, she's really, really, really smart. And um, so, but when, when she first got this toy, like it used to make her so furious because she would like see the circle and like try to put it in the oval and she would just like start Hulk smashing this thing. Like, like, why doesn't it fit? And I'm like, baby, let me help you. She's like, no. And then, like, I'd have to turn the ball for her and show her where to put it, right? And then she'd get, like, the triangle and, like, try to put it in the cross. I'm like, babe, that's not how it works. Now she, she blazes through it, luckily, because she's almost two. Um, <laughs> but the point is, that's funny. But the truth for society today is we've got a lot of people that have no idea what shape they are. We've got a lot of people that really, really desperately want to be like an oval, but, they're, but they just aren't an oval. They're a triangle, and they're just trying to fit into that oval, or they're a square, and they're trying to fit into the circle. Anybody following me at all? See, we've got boys that want to be girls and girls that want to be boys, and then we've got 60 different genders, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be in, insensitive about the issue, but there is a big issue that I, that I found. Big issue is the big reason people don't know who they are is because we've got a massive identity theft problem in our country. And I'm not talking about credit cards and social security cards. I'm talking about your real true identity. You don't know who you are. And a big problem, a big reason that's a problem is because really our, our identities come from our fathers. And so many fathers have absolutely failed. And I know we're, I'm preaching to the choir right now. Because I see so many good fathers in the room. So many good fathers that are teaching their kids how to live for Jesus. That are discipling their kids. And they're playing with them. They're not afraid to sweat and laugh. But I think a big reason why we have so many squares trying to be circles and crosses trying to be stars is because people don't know who they really, really are. It's no surprise people have issues with their identities when the ones who are supposed to help them figure out who they are, are absent. They pack up, they walk out, and they utterly fail. You know, communicating is, is more important than commenting. Understanding. Man, I guarantee if you're having problems with your kids, take some time to really understand them. Not just what they're saying. Look at their body language. Look at who they're hanging out with. Really become a student of your kid. Use all of the language. Take it all in. Memories is is more important than money. Memories is bigger than money. Make memories. I know sometimes, man, my daughter, I love her. She's the cutest, she's the most brilliant. She is the worst sleeper on the planet. (laughs) The worst. The worst. And, you know, sometimes it's a lot easier just to sit at home. But, man, it's so important that we go and we do and that we take the pictures. It's so important for her future, for her to know and be able to look back and say, wow, my mom and dad love me. We've got to do it. Don't be lazy. And identity is greater than how you identify, knowing who you are because your daddy said, not just your earthly father, but your heavenly father. And he says, you know, you're my child. You are more than conquerors. All those great promises that he says.
0: Thanks. I got this. I got this. I'm... Man, that's no. Okay, that one's weird. Okay, so anybody ever play this game? Uh, I, uh, I do know that is about 1,000 years old because I am about 1,000 years old. Uh, how many are older this year than you were last year? Can I get a raise of hands? All right, how many? You're sure of this. How many are older than you were last year? Okay, so that's, that's some people actually didn't raise their hand, uh, which is a whole different altar service. uh i i it is peculiar nobody sat down with me uh anybody my age or older you don't know okay but uh uh but you know i have two brothers that are in their 60s and uh and a lot of brothers in their 60s here <laughs> i love you guys and uh i have a brother in in his late 40s and i'm somewhere between all of that uh but uh It's interesting how life changed. I mean, just the script flipped. That's why I had a millennial father speak, because somebody uh, flipped the script on me. Uh, I don't, evidently, uh, I don't know the things that I'm supposed to know, all right? So I can become a bit, uh, you would think I'd become awkward. Like, uh, remember when you were younger and styles shifted and you thought you had to catch up with them? I don't care anymore. All right, people buy me cool stuff. I say, I'll wear that. If not, tropical shirt's going to win. All right, I'm just, uh, and you don't like that. I love you anyway. All right, I'm sorry you don't know how to dress. And uh, remember, remember when, remember when uh, uh, it used to be, this used to be the truth. We used to, when I was a bit younger, there would be this guy, and uh, he'd be an older guy. And uh, he would wear tennis shoes with uh, black socks. He'll wear like his Nikes with black socks. Anybody remember that? And we say, look at that guy. And now you do it, okay? There are guys in this room that are like 20-something or 18, and you got your night. Come on, right there, all right? And you'll wear, your, you'll wear your workout shorts and your black socks, and you're just running down. And I'm driving down the street looking at you saying, don't you know that's weird? Don't you know that I can't do that because you'll say I'm an old guy? If I did that, you'd point at me. It's not fair. It's just not right. I, but I, I know... I know that life is shifting. I know that. And again, people did not tell me some things. I mean, parents don't. I've been trying to do this more. I'll sit down with individuals and just tell them a few things about what it is. I'm not an old, old guy yet. But at the same time, I'm in a different phase of my life than I used to be. And I'm still in a more than conqueror's phase. Can I get an amen? I'm in that place. I'm just conquering different fields of battle. And that's our series, More Than Conqueror's. Uh, And and as we look at the scripture and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I remind you that if you are in a situation right now and you feel as if it is a loss and you feel like, you know, I'm too far down the road in order to be victorious in that particular area. Come on, look at me. Stop seeing life that way. God wants to give you a better understanding. In fact, my vision is now deeper than it was when I was 22 years old, all right? Uh, it's just deeper. It's stronger than it used to be because my vision is large. I want to move fast in this a little bit. I want to jump down to another scripture, Joshua chapter 24 in verse 14. Uh, Joshua is 110 years old when he makes this statement, 110, all right? Uh, Is there anybody that's 110 years old in this room? Okay, Marco and uh, Steve Clark are both. If you put their ages together, they're 110. Uh, Or maybe a little more than that, I'm not sure. (laughs) But uh, 110 years old, this is how Joshua is. He is about to pass. He's going to pass when he's uh, 110 years old. These are a few days before then. And he gathers everyone together in Israel, and they renew the covenant. Now, at this particular point, they've already... Uh, defeated uh, the, 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 and possessed the land. People have an inheritance. Joshua's getting ready to pass. They're not going to have a king. They're going to have judges. Uh, that's why the book of Judges is called the book of Judges, all right? Uh, and the, And the nation, we already know because I taught you last week. Remember last week we talked about the song of Moses that uh, I want you to teach. I want you to write and teach the people a song. And here's the song. You're going to go into the promised land, and you're going to inherit all the land, and then you're going to worship other gods, and you're going to forget that you even know me, and you're going to act like a fool, and that's basically what the song was, okay? Uh, and you're going to really have some bad times because you forget who I am. That's not exactly the lyrics, all right? But you can read it in Deuteronomy, the the the, the song of Moses that is passed down to all the people. So he's he warns them before they ever get in the city. Don't you don't you chase after foreign gods. Don't you do that? But here's how we are. We kind of get like, you know, we already possess the land. I mean, Jericho's flat. We're just, you know, we got everything now. And then we just start living life the way we want to live it and forget the God who provided the life for us that we have. We forget, you know, I got money in the bank and, you know, and I just, now I just want my kids to be happy and I just want to be happy. And, And sometimes that will blow up in your face. Amen? Watch yourself. Anytime you just tell your kids, honey, I just want you to be happy. uh, you got to be careful, all right? Because is there anybody that could testify that if it wasn't for some of the brokenness, you would never have the true joy in your life that you have right now, all right? You get through some stuff. So Joshua, 110 years old, brings all the people together, and here's what he says. Now... After he says, I want you to be righteous, this is what the Word of God says. They rehearse uh, the covenant. He says this, now, therefore, because of all this, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. He goes back over. He tells them everything that they've done, all the victories that they've had. Fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity. Sincerely serve Him. Come on, don't, don't be a fake. Be a real servant of God. Come on, anybody with me on this? Be real. Look at somebody and say, get real. Tell them, get real. Be, be a real servant of God. Be a real child of God. And serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Remember, we taught this at the beginning of the series, a little bit about the difference between some people think that they can have faith and not be faithful. How did we do that? Oh, I have faith in God. I believe in the same Jesus you do. I'm just living this way, right? That's the way I am living. Oh, so you have faith, you're just not faithful, okay? It's like you're married, you just have an open relationship. Can I get an amen from somebody? Don't say amen right now, that'd be a bad place to say amen. He says, put away the gods that your father served before the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So already they've settled down and they've started messing around with, with false gods, with idolatry. All right, you say, well, I don't worship idols. Come on, what are the things that are in your life that are more important than your relationship with God? Okay, what would you, I love God, I believe in Jesus, but I do it. I want it. come on, that's idolatry. That's what it is, all right? And then he says this, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, you you, you realize, you think, well, that's a ridiculous statement. You understand that in our culture, uh, that if you believe in Jesus now, uh, right is wrong and wrong is right. And so you will be considered. Just get ready for it so that you can smile and forgive people. If you haven't figured this out. The idea is that it would be wrong for me to actually obey God. It, that, and that's still going on. It happened in the promised land. It happened in the United States. Once we, you know, once we got here, got our land, got our houses, got our cars, got our tech. You know, I don't need the Holy Ghost. I got Google, baby. I'm saying, I'm saying, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then you're going to have to choose. All right? How many know we all have to choose? You understand that? We choose. Choose you this day. You've heard this. I think I have this picture hanging out by the, over by the bathrooms down the hallway. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether it, whether the gods your forefathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, And my house, somebody say it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, this is weird, okay? I'm going to flip my teaching up a little bit. I don't know if you can follow me or not, Keith, but I I just want to go, As say it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's 110 years old. He was very young, just a very young man when they left Egypt. Joshua was called the son of Nun, all right? Not N-O-N-E, but N-U-N, okay? Joshua is the son of Nun. Joshua's daddy died a slave in Egypt, all right? How many know what happened to your daddy will make a difference in your life? Anybody know that? What happened to your daddy will make a difference in your life. So Joshua's dad died in, in slavery in Egypt with the vision of one day going to the promised land. Hallelujah. And he planted the vision of what was next in Joshua's life. So much so that when they had their first battle, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, who does Moses call on? Joshua, you're going to lead people in the battle while Aaron and her hold up Moses' hands on the hillside. And while Moses' hands are held up, Joshua gets his first lessons. Okay, we're going to go to battle. Don't have too many swords. Everybody get your sticks and your pitchforks. We're going to go fight these guys. But as long as Moses' hands were held up, Hallelujah, they were victorious. And when Moses got tired, uh, then the the enemy would come against them. Joshua uh, won that opening battle and learned this lesson. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Somebody shout amen, all right? That's what he's learning. I'm going to be victorious because God is with me. So this message is inside of him. And uh, it's out of this message that we get the theme of this entire series from Joshua 1 and 9. Be strong and courageous. Come on, somebody shout it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with me. Acknowledge the presence of the Lord. But Joshua, go back to this other scripture in Joshua 24. Everybody shout, ask for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Anyway, you're 110 years old. Don't be telling me what I'm going to do. You wear black socks and tennis shoes. Don't be, you don't know, you don't understand what you're talking about. Look at, look at you. Look, look at, look at the stuff that you eat. You know, look at, look at you. Look at your style. Really? You're going to tell me? what to do. And this is what Joshua is saying. I, I may not be able to control everything you wear, and I may not be able to control what you do in your life, but this one thing I declare, and this is a blessing, not a curse. He says, that's for me and my house. My house, somebody say it with me. My house is going to serve the Lord. Say it. My house is going to serve the Lord. Anybody with me on this? That's what Joshua is saying. Now, we don't know much about Joshua's house. That bothers me. Who, who Joshua married? Where's, where's Joshua's woman? Where's, where's, who says, Hello, my name is Job, son of Joshua? Who is that guy? Where is he? All right, Joshua is the son of none, and we really don't know. We don't know in Scripture who Joshua's wife is, we don't know who his children are. Sometimes you got to study a little bit harder to find some of these things out. Uh, anybody remember of a, a woman by the name of Rahab? Anybody remember Rahab? Now, the Bible says in Matthew that uh, there's a guy named Salmon who was the husband of Rahab, who was a descendant, or was, was a, a pre- preceded the Lord, that, uh, that from their lineage, the Lord Jesus came And I always looked at that scripture and thought, well, not that great, that Rahab, anybody know Rahab's story? Yeah. Rahab was a? Okay, see, I heard prostitute, I heard harlot, okay, different versions, all right, <laughs> different versions of the Bible you guys are reading. Rahab was a prostitute, okay, a And I've worked on that as well. Does that mean she was the innkeeper? Oh, she kept the inn. <laughs> she had a wall. She had a, she had a balcony view of what was going on. She lived in the wall of Jericho where she lived. And she had this place. And, and there are two guys that Joshua sends to uh, Jericho because Jericho is the first big stronghold Jericho is that place it's a stronghold if you get past Jericho you might get everywhere else but first of all you're going to have to get past Jericho and he sends two spies to Jericho and they're, they're incognito they don't come and say hey we're just with the Hebrews across you know, the river just checking the place out seeing if it might be a place we want to live no These guys disguise themselves as travelers and they come into the city and and word gets out that there are spies in the city and these guys go to the prostitute's house and that's where they hide. In fact, Rahab could have turned them in. The word was sent to Rahab, hey, hey. Uh, the word is out that you might have two spies up there. She, well, they're gone. They're out of here. But she had already talked to them because not only did she take care of her, her uh, take care of the inn, but uh, she she had family. She had. Parents, There were kids that were involved. And she wanted all of her house to be whole. And she knew about the power of, of Israel. She knew about the battles that they had fought. She knew about how the, uh, the Red Sea had been parted. And how the Jordan had been parted. And all of their hearts had melted within them. And though she was a prostitute, she had begun to develop a belief in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And these Israelite people who were coming in to the land and saying they were going to take it. So when the spies were there, she told them, said, hey guys, look, I'm I'm going to hide you. I'm going to let you down through my window so that you can get away so you don't get killed. And uh, she said, just take care of us. Protect us. And they gave her a scarlet cord, a scarlet ribbon. And she tied that piece of scarlet rope in the window. Now, how many know what happened to Jericho? Anybody know what happened to Jericho? They marched around. Why did they march around? They marched around the city of Jericho because Joshua had gotten in the presence of the Lord and he told them how that they were going to conquer this city that was unconquerable. The city was shut up tight. Nobody was coming in. Nobody was going out. And Joshua... Joshua knew what to do because God had told him every day, I want you to have worship service and march all the way around the city. Every day do it one time, march all the way around the city, but on the seventh day, I want you to march seven times around the city, and after the seventh time, I want you to blow trumpets and sound instruments, and when that happens, the city's going to fall, and that's exactly what happened. How many know Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down all but a little section of it that had a scarlet cord hanging somebody praised Jesus a scarlet cord that was hanging in the window <laughs> and and Rahab was there and Rahab's family was there and they walked in and they escorted all of that family out. They became uh, proselytes. They, they, she was a, prostitution, a prostitute where she gave herself, but now she was a proselyte in that she surrendered herself to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and surrendered herself to the covenant of Moses, which is a beautiful thing to do. Aren't you glad that people could come into the kingdom of God? Anybody glad that God was interested in that? People could surrender if they wanted to. If they won't surrender, they won't come and, and join you, then, then I'm sorry. And I, and I know you don't like those stories we hate those stories. We just don't believe that people die and things like that. I don't know if you read the whole story of the Bible or not. I mean, I mean, it is not a good thing to rebel against God Almighty. It's just not healthy. Rahab believed, and they all got out. Now the thing is, is I, you know, I did a little word study on Rahab, and that the word Rahab. And the Old Testament is not the same word as the Rahab in Matthew. However, if you go to Hebrews, you will see her mentioned in that great hall of faith that, that she was saved. It's a different word. It's actually a different spelling. So most probably Salmon who married Rahab, who uh, was some of the great, great, great grandparents of David who, uh, and Jesse, who ultimately uh, conceived Jesus... That probably wasn't her, okay? But if you read the historical writings of Jewish rabbis, this is what they tell us. They tell us that when Rahab got set free and she came back, that the wife of Joshua was Rahab. Anybody like that? That's better than the notebook, isn't it? Look at me. How many know that God will take somebody who is absolutely broken and away from God and restore them and raise them up? And and Jewish writers tell us that they actually did have children and among them was the prophet Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans, plans that are good, plans that give you a hope and a future. Come on, anybody know that's the God that we serve? How many like that? Anybody like that idea? So in Joshua chapter 24, when, when he stands out at 110 years old and he looks out at all these people and he says, now look, you guys can decide who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It was a deep thing. We're not going back to Jericho. We're not going to serve the idols because I know the delivering, the God who sets free, the God who restores people no matter what their background is. I know that. God. He's the God that I serve and my children will serve and prophets will rise up one day out of my family and they will declare this gospel to others that they will also serve the Lord. My family. Somebody shout amen. My family is going to serve the Lord. I tell you all of this because what I want to tell you today is God wants to give you a vision. A conquering vision. Say it, a conquering vision. A conquering vision. I I just love the word conqueror, but, you know, all the conquerors weren't great. I mean, whatever happened to Alexander the Great, you know? I mean, all all the conquerors, they conquered for a while, but then they end up losing their their kingdom. They end up losing their empire, you know? I mean, chase all the Caesars down. It wasn't always a good story, Right? I've seen it for a while until so somebody comes and takes your head, you know. no. He, he, the Bible doesn't say that you are a conqueror. He says we are more than conquerors. But we have to have a vision. Joshua developed a vision for conquering. And I want all of you to leave this place with a vision for conquering. And I want to help you with this. Now, there is a proverb that perhaps some of you have seen before. The proverb reads this way in Proverbs 29 and 18. I don't know if you've ever read Peterson's uh, uh little transliteration of proverbs 29:18 it's it's uh, it is it, it's different some people just don't like this i like to read a lot of versions i just kind of get a kick out of it anybody else i i want it to be the truth you you also need to know the difference all right between something that's translated and something that is just a version okay you need to understand does that make sense to anybody it, you need to understand the difference uh, but but I like this, and it reads this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. How many know that's the truth, all right? Come on, say it, read it with me. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. They, all over themselves. Yeah, what's going on? Have you, ever, have you ever been in that place in your life where you're just falling all over yourself? Anybody ever been there? It's like, uh, I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but uh, I have... Uh, is is there any place like in your house that you constantly like stub your toe? Like if you get up in the middle of the night, is there that one place that you have stubbed your toe like lots of place, lots of times? All right, so I'm hold my hand. Up And then, like, we have a shed in the backyard, and that shed that's in the backyard, it's got a door that's about this high. And that, I mean, that shed's been there for a long, long time. It's been rusted, and we've repainted it. You know, it's not like a messy shed. I mean, I know where my stuff is in there, the lawnmowers and things. I know where it is. But you know at least, I'm not exaggerating at least 50 times I have busted the top of my head on that shed door just walk in the doorway and boom. And then I say, what, Rick? How many times? Come on, can I get a dad amen somewhere? Come on. I'm telling you, just a week or so ago, walked in, been mowing, been working, walked in, busted my head, hit the floor. I mean, went straight to the floor, scab on the top of my head. Diana comes in, are you okay? I don't want to talk about it. You know what I don't have? I don't have a vision for that pathway. I don't have a vision for that doorway. I don't have a vision for what it... I forget it, all right? And because of that... Okay, let's forget I told you that story, okay? Just, all right? Some of you got a similar story. So here's what here's what the Scripture is teaching us that we need to understand that if we don't have a clear vision, if we don't have it, we will end up stumbling Around, God doesn't want you to consistently have this awkward thing going on in your life. You know, like uh, uh, vision in general. You know, God God wants you to be able to see better. And there are different, I don't know what your vision issues are. How many, got any farsighted people in the house? Where are you? Farsighted, nearsighted people in the house? Where are you? All right, Uh, any any colorblind folks in the house? Any colorblind folks in the house, okay? We're not really colorblind. We see things differently than other people. (laughs) Just so you know, all right? All right? Uh, Or uh, some people have... Different types of of, uh, of of vision difficulties like uh, tunnel vision, or there are folks that are just blind. They just can't see at all, or they're they're considered uh, medically blind. So uh, I mean, we know what these means. I mean, far sighted is uh, I can see things in a, di- a distance, but I can't see things that are close up. And near it is I can see things close up, but I can't see them far away. Tunnel vision is I can see things here, but I can't see them out of in my peripheral. I can only see things in line. I can only focus. A particular way and and so all of these things are easy to speak about because that's often physically we also have those issues spiritually like we can see down the road but we can't see things that are right in front of us you know, like we can see what we're going to do you know with and Preston was talking about memories and money we can see what we're gonna do with money way down the road but we can't see what we're gonna do with our children tomorrow you know uh, we can we can see uh, down the road, but we can't take care you know of, of our marriage, our, our personal things right now, and and to be uh, nearsighted, I only see what's uh, right in front of my face. I, I see today, but I can't see in the future. I, I don't have a vision for what God wants to do in the future. That's why Joshua was saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He had a vision for defeating Jericho, but he also had a vision for when he's gone, that his house would continue to serve the Lord. All of these things... You see, there is a difference between our vision and God's vision. So what we need to do is acquire the vision of God. I don't have the rest of the day because there are brats in the front yard and we need to eat those brats. But but I want to just give you just a simple couple of things to say, to, to understand regarding this, okay? Conquering vision comes from being in God's presence. You can write that in your notes. Conquering vision comes from being in God's presence. Going back to Jericho for a moment, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand, okay? Joshua is a warrior. You see somebody standing in front of you. What are you going to do? I'm getting ready to find out. Are we going to battle? Are we putting this thing? Are we, going, are we doing this? Are we doing this right now? Because I'm a warrior. But the Bible says... And I, you know, I hate it when pastors do some of what I'm about to do, but sometimes I see words and they just jump out at me. Anybody like that? You just see them and they just, it says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with the drawn sword in his hand. So, so it's not like Joshua is in Jericho. he's kind of walking like this. It's Joshua was nearing Jericho and then he looked up. You like that? And he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Now, this, this was a tough guy. And Joshua asked a pointed question. He says, are you for us or for our enemies? Are you for us or for our enemies? And, and the answer is odd, but it makes sense when you find out who he is. He says, neither. 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 But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. You see, you think that God is just fighting with you when what God is saying, I want you to come and do what I'm doing. Does that make sense to anybody in the house? How many know God will fight for you? Anybody know that God will fight for you? How many know God will stand? But in order for that to happen, in order for that to be accomplished, you got to be busy doing what God is doing. The, the question isn't who am I fighting for. The question is who are you fighting for? Whose side are you on? It's not about you or your enemies. Because some of you say, well, Look, i I got some enemies right now. i got some issues right now with some people. And God and me are going to wipe them out. I'm saying, you need to ask yourself, Whose side are you on? Not whose side God is on. God doesn't pick sides. You're the one that has to choose God. Remember Joshua 24? you got to decide whether or not you're going to serve the gods on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve Lord, if I'm going to be victorious, I got to get on the same page as my God is. Yeah. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I love this. I mean, and as I look at the story, I mean, I'm 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 seeing that uh, what we need to do then is, no matter where we are, what the situation is, we need to look up. Look at somebody. And say, look up. Was that one of them, Lauren Daigle songs? Yes. Look up, John. There's some congas and island stuff. In this, yeah. Anyway, so uh, look up. Somebody say look up. look up. But be careful. Be careful. When, when you're looking up, make sure you're looking for the Lord. Yes. Okay? Yes. But when? how do I look up? How do I look up? How do I look up? You know, how many come to church and get revelation? Anybody get revelation when you come to the house of God? Anybody? How many know we need to be here? It's like, well, it's Sunday, I better go to church. I'm religious. We need to be in the house. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to be in a worship setting because God will give you revelation in a worship gathering such as this. He will change your course. Anybody ever experienced that? But, but you also need to understand that God also speaks on Mondays. It's like, God, you think, you, think, you know, like you think, you know, Pastor, you must... Good job. You only work on Sundays. You don't know me very well. You were not with me on Friday and Saturday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Okay. But God doesn't close down the office on Monday. In fact, I can't even talk to you unless I've spent time in his presence. I don't feel personally that I have the right to stand up here on this platform Unless I've spent several hours with him. I don't. I don't. I don't like being rushed. I don't like, I like, you know, going in and closing the door and sometimes like, can not I get a holy vest? Right, texted you several times on Friday. That's right. I didn't answer you because I was talking to somebody else all day. Is that okay? I, no, you, don't, don't, don't be mad at me right now. I'm not trying to be a smart. Like, I'm just saying that in Matthew, in fact, the Scripture says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, they're asking, how should we pray? And they have this idea of how you know, others pray. They lift up their voice and they enlarge words. God, you know who I am. I am thy servant who gives of his tithe. I am probably your favorite. Look at the clothes that I wear and my black socks. Right? God isn't listening to you because of your great speaking, because you have a lot of King James English. Maybe God doesn't speak King James English that much. You know, God doesn't always say, thee, thou and shall, all right? Listen, listen. He says, you want to know how to get in my presence? He says, go to your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Get along with me. It's not just about what we do in public. It's about our private life. It's about our time with God. you got to go somewhere. Close your door. Spend some time with God. Speak to him. And open your, come on, open your ears because God has something to say to his people. Say, I don't know what to do. Get along with God for a while. Come to church. I'm not saying skip church. I'm saying get along with God. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Find some time. I tell husbands and wives all the time, if you don't have spiritual intimacy, no wonder your physical intimacy is terrible. Did I say that in church? Yes, I did. Come on, pray together. Light a candle in your, in your, in your house somewhere. Light the candle. Spend time together in the presence of the Lord. He knows all about that other stuff. He'll guide you and lead you in those other areas. You think they're all of the flesh. No, no, no. Spend time in the presence of the Lord and He will deal with other things. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And they took God out of the schools. Yeah. Now listen. Listen. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 17, the Bible says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Somebody say all people. All people. Okay. If you're a people, would you lift your hand? Okay. Any people. Okay. Okay. Some people didn't lift their hand, so I don't know what you are. But <laughs> just, I'm teasing. Bro. All right. Listen. We're all people. So in the last days, how many know we're in the last days? Pour out the Spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. That's a word from Joel. It's restated as a, as, as a revelation uh, from Peter in Acts 2.17 when they say, what is this? And he says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Then in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So catch, catch this. Joshua says... He gets this 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 word, you know. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many know that's bold and audacious? That's bold and crazy. Okay, and then Joel says something. He says, "He says uh, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come and, and, and upon all flesh I'll pour out my Spirit. And here we are on this Sunday, and we're trying to decide, well, I don't know about those dreams and visions and prophecies. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if God could speak through me or use me. What do you need? Come on, what do you need? Get in the presence of the Lord and then start declaring the Word of God that Joshua spoke, the Word of God that Joel spoke the word of God that Peter spoke I accept that for my life for my children for my family they're going to walk in the power of God they're going to hear the word of God they're going to see the word of God we're not going to be stumbling all over ourselves for the rest of our lives because we decided we just don't believe in all that my kids going to know Jesus somebody shout amen, amen. And then you just got to believe what God is saying Conquering vision comes when we believe what God is saying. Jericho was securely shut up because of, the children of, because of the children of Israel. None went in and none came out. Now watch this. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. It's like, what? All right, Joshua's standing there. Jericho was shut up. The doors are all locked. Nobody's coming in. No coming out. And God says... The Lord says to Joshua, See, I've given them into your hands. Uh, Lord, the doors are shut and nobody's coming in and out. The walls are like really tall. How many know what you see is not necessarily what God is doing? Some of you are facing battles right now. And you say, Lord, see, don't you see what's going on? And the Lord says, yeah, take a look at your Jericho. Take a look at what you see is impossible, improbable, according to man's opinion. Because I got a message for you. I have given that walled up, locked up bound city into your hands see see look up child who's that guy with the drawn sword see i have given it into your hands don't look like it listen that's what i'm saying conquering vision comes when we just believe what god is saying no that's mine that's mine that's mine that's mine, that's mine. that god said it's in my hands see for for every problem you have there is a promise And if you cannot believe the promise, you will never believe the plan. Because sometimes we want the plan before we get the promise. If I like the plan, God, that won't work. Come on, don't red flag heaven. Hey, God, I object to the way that you want me to do this. Listen, if you can't believe the promise, you'll never believe the plan. The plan doesn't make sense unless God is in it. So, do you get that? The plan doesn't make sense unless God's in it. It looks impossible, but God. Remember this? Joshua, remember he said, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. This is your battle cry, strong and courageous. So when the Hebrews run into battle, they don't they don't run into battle saying, "We've got a better plan than you. Our swords are bigger. Look at our shields. Look at our really cool helmets." They don't do that. They run in with strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength. I know who I am. And courage. The confidence that the God has called into this battlefield is also able to make those walls fall. So I'm running in with confidence and you don't understand why you so confident right now the devil says you ain't got nothing you ain't been trained enough you are not educated enough don't have enough money you why are you why are you have enough you gotta tell the devil to get behind you and march forward in confidence your lack of confidence is evidence that the promise has not been accepted into your soul when you accept the promise into your heart, you'll go places that you would not have went before. And you'll say things that you would not say. You'll say, if God said it, that settles it. For every problem you have, there is a promise. Say it for every problem, there is a promise. Come on, say it for every problem, there is a promise. Jesus. Yes. I love this. Let me, let me help you with this, okay? For every problem, there's a promise. You say versus God says. You say it's impossible. God says all things, all things are possible. You say, I can't do it. God says, you can do all things. You say, I'm too tired. God says, I will give you rest. You say, I'm not able. God says, I am able. You say, nobody really loves me. Come on. You say, nobody really loves me. God says, I love you. You say, it's not worth it. God says, it will be worth it all. You say, I can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. You say, I can't forgive myself. God says, I I forgive you. You say I can't figure it out. God says, "I will direct your steps." You say I can't manage. God says, "I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in heaven." So it's not. You got to flip the script. It's got to be about what God says before what you say. You got to start saying what God says. Come on, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's not impossible. I can do. Somebody needs to shout, I can. I can. All Joshua had was a word from heaven. Somebody shout amen. A word from heaven. Stand with me. Some of us, some of you are facing problems and battles. Some of you are facing battles and you think, you think the problem is one thing. And if you would hear from God, he would say, no, that's not the problem. The problem is you're stumbling around and stubbing your toe on the same thing all the time. It's what I believe rather than what God says. So what I've got to do I got to cha- come on. I got to shift this. This has got to change. I mean, in this house, there are stories that we could tell. Right now, we could tell stories about how how many could tell a story about how God did something that looked impossible. Some of you, where you are in your life right now, I mean, when you know God's promises, you can get through anything. I told this story before, but you know, you past as long as I have, you have to regurgitate stories all the time so but my mother died uh, we were in one city uh, doing the funeral because we had to get a church big enough because we had to get a monstrous church, big building because the place was just packed, mom died young she was only 63 when she passed and she was a woman of God and I want you to know I was ticked about it I actually had people who left my church because my mother died because they had prayed that God would heal her and said, well, God just didn't answer my prayer. Well, you don't know what God's doing. How I mean, no, you don't know. Somebody say, I don't know. I don't know. I need to know. And I feel you know who's hurt more than me over my mother's passing? Even though I loved her more than anybody else in the world. I know that's true, but that's my opinion. Okay. My daddy I married her when she was just a little girl. She was just a young kid, hadn't finished high school yet, in uh, Kentucky, went to church together, loved each other, wanted to get married, didn't have nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but in the day, I remember Dad told me, he said, well, you know, I wanted to marry Mama, so I went and asked my dad, and I said, you know, Dad, she ain't finished high school yet, and uh, he said and dad told me well she can always finish high school <laughs> so he married her anyway that's not great counsel right there okay uh, it's not my beloved grandfather so mom died it's painful you know something i danielle y'all were here pray for danielle her, her father just passed away yesterday we're praying for you danielle and your family uh, come back to me now, come back, stop looking at Danielle. Look at me. So we jump in the hearse after the after the service, and we're making the long drive, these curvy southeastern Ohio roads. Anybody know the roads I'm talking about? Uh, we're driving from the Hamilton area back to Camden. it's about it's about a thirty minute drive if you're driving fifty five or sixty or seventy. I wouldn't anyway, uh, but if you're following the hearse, You're going to be a while. So dad started singing songs. That's my daddy. And you, you know, dad always, dad has a library of the saddest songs in the world in his head. (laughs) Christian songs, you know, one of his favorites is, you know, we read of a beautiful city of gold, a dwelling so bright and so fair. But what if we fail to get there? He's like, dad, don't sing that, you know, but he'll sing it. Praise God while he's doing it. Oh, don't fail to go through. So here we go. We're driving down the road, and Dad starts singing the verse. Undertaker, undertaker, please drive slow. Mm. Mm. For the woman. Okay, I'm back. For the woman that you're carrying, oh, Lord, I love her so. Dad, stop saying that song. And then he breaks into the chorus. Anybody know the chorus? Will the circle be unbroken? By and by, Lord, by and by. There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in... The sky. Oh, here we go, all the way to the cemetery. Daddy's singing in the front seat to his preacher's sons in the back seat. You see, God has a promise that will overcome your greatest conflict, your greatest pain. He has a promise. We, how many know we got to believe the promise? Anybody know that? We, you don't like the plan. How many know if you believe the promise, the plan will work? Anybody believe that? If you believe the promise, where are you? Where are you? There are those of you right now that are facing battles. You're facing struggles in your life. Some of you have walked through something. You know exactly. You can wave me and say, Pastor, you're preaching the truth right now because I've been through that. Some of you are struggling right now in your life about some battles that look insurpassable. But today, you need to join Joshua with strength and courage. You need to say it like a battle cry. Somebody shout strength and courage. Shout it strength and courage. The the Hebrew, ratz kasachs. Come on. Ratz kasachs. Ratz kasachs amatz. I love that. I was like, rock your socks off. Rock a socks. I. I win. Strength and courage. Unwavering, unyielding confidence before the field is ever taken. That's what it is. So I don't know what you're facing. Where are, you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are my people that are in battle? Where are you? Where are you? Wave at me. wave. Maybe you got set free while I was preaching. I don't know. All right, but c- c- come here. Stand with me. Come on down. Come on down and stand with me. Come on, stand with me. Where are are those people who just come on down, walking through it right now, facing Jericho? It looks improbable. It looks impossible. It looks like it's all falling apart. It's all a loss. Where are you? Where are those who are facing some difficulty right now, family difficulty? Where are those? Where are you? Where are you? Come stand with me. Come on. Let's welcome people as they come. Let's welcome them as they come. My freedom's altar team should come and stand with me too. Come and join me. Give it to me. Freedom's altar team should come and stand. Get get close to these people because you're going to minister to them. All right, so promises. Say promises. Say it. Promises. All things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. What's possible? What's possible? what's possible family struggle okay family struggle you take your authority in the spirit before you take it in the flesh okay come on shout it come on give me the Joshua shout are you ready shout strength and courage shout strength and courage shout it again strength and courage as for me and my house we will serve the Lord no you ain't saying that loud enough come on for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Give praise to God. <laughs> grief, grief. How many unresolved grief is detrimental? It's just terrifying. Anybody know that? Unresolved grief. God wants to resolve some of that mess in your life, right? You can't grieve for the rest of your life. It, but for there is a season of tears. And God wants to heal you. I want you to take that pain and toss it to the Lord. Just toss it to Him. Lord, I'm trusting you with this. Grief is not always about death. It's about a relationship that died. It's about an opportunity that disappeared. Does that make sense? just tell the Lord say I surrender I surrender this pain to you in Jesus name I want you to stay in that posture I want my prayer team to come and help me serve you might need to come around the front in order that you can minister to them okay healing Jesus healing Jesus all around this room now because it's one thing to get here some of you can't even get to this altar alright that'd be cool if you could so I want you to make a little prayer community right where you are, okay? Right where you are. Make a prayer community. Make three or four or five of you. Go ahead, right where you are. So my name, make up a name if you have to, but you look at somebody, tell them who you are, okay? Moses, you know, Andrew, you guys are always welcome in this altar. All right, are you ready? I want you to pray one for another. Some of you got struggles going on in your life. I want you to pray and speak the vision of God. Conquering vision. God wants to give you conquering vision overwhelming vision. Begin to pray with one another. Begin to pray with one another.